everybody. Welcome back to the Music Buds podcast. This is episode number 42, and my name is Henry. This week, I'm honored to be joined by composer Johan Söderquist, known partly for his work on the video games Battlefield 1 and Battlefield 5, as well as the vampire film Let the Right One In, and many others. Johan, it's so nice to meet you. As I've said to you in the past, I really have enjoyed your work for a long time, so thank you for being here. Yeah, it's really fun to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad we could finally find a, a time to talk or, you know, our schedules have been changing. And so it's, it's nice to, to found the time. Well, how are you, first of all? Uh, it's, it's really well here. The, um, the, sp- the spring is coming in Sweden. It's been a, it's been a, a cold uh, winter. And I mean, cold in many respects. It's been hard with Corona. Just like in the States, we've been pretty... Uh, it's it's stroke pretty hard in Sweden also, so it's yeah. been a, a tough a tough year. Uh, and I mean, just like I've heard in some of your other podcasts, as a composer, you're kind of in quarantine anyhow because you're in the studio all the time. Mm-hmm. So it kind of it hasn't affected me that much. I'm I'm sitting by my computer with my dog, who's actually here right now, and uh, it's down here, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. just working and uh, you know drinking tea and have meetings. And it's uh, maybe the biggest difference is that you this thing that probably affected all people that it's been so much meetings online, um, and it's partly good because you don't have to travel but it's partly boring because when you do music it's so uh inspiring to have you know directors and and script writers and and sound designers in the studio and you actually do stuff together Mm. so it's really it's kind of boring to uh you know you always have to you always have to kind of talk about things that are emotional in a in a more practical way Mm. uh and that's been uh, i mean it's it's the it's the smallest problem of this year, of course, but still, it's yeah, a little problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, really good here. And you? I'm I'm doing fine, thanks. Uh, I'm in North Carolina, and so I, I was lucky enough to get uh, the one of two shots for COVID. So I'm I'm partially vaccinated. You so that was started with uh, young people. We're like on I don't know. We're probably at you know people <laughs> over eight or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we have a long. We have yeah. a long road to to walk until we're there yeah, yeah. that's really cool. yeah yeah i felt yeah i felt very lucky to get the the process started so but yeah uh well i, I guess w- kicking things off a little bit how was it that you got started in music was that uh something you'd always wanted to do i, I don't know that's a that's a tricky question i get it uh a lot i think it's uh it's i think if you kind of um if you think really hard on what happened i i i used to i wanted to be like a football player like all kids and then i wanted to be like an opera singer and then i you know it's a lot of stuff but then eventually at some point uh it became clear that i was uh, really into piano playing so i started as a piano player and it kind of i think it's uh, i have three kids of my own and you can really see on them when they find their thing you know when when young people find their thing and they kind of get their they build their identity it's very clear and it's very important for people to you know find that they're good at something mm-hmm. and i was uh, good at uh, playing the piano and i really kind of got my identity from that you know, in school and stuff. Uh, and then while playing, I always uh, wrote songs for the bands I played in. I was mm-hmm. al- always the writer. Uh, so I always felt more like a writer than a player, even though I kind of, you know, toured around the world with jazz bands and folk music bands and, you know, mm-hmm. and also uh, accompanying singers and stuff. Uh, but I always felt 
like the composing piano player. So right, at, the, right. at a certain point, I, I don't know how I kind of got into um, film, but it was, uh, you know, coincidence. Uh, some, somebody said that you could play in my film and I played and he, he made another film and it, uh, I got the gig to write. And then that suddenly became the biggest film. And it's just coincidences, like always. Um, um, but it, it started off as uh, a musician. Yeah. Dance and stuff. Well, what were some of the first films that you, you got to be a part of? Um, I, I did Swedish and uh, Danish films in the start. And uh, I, I had uh, the fortune or the luck to, to work on Susanne Beer's uh, first film. She's a well, really well-known uh, Danish uh, director who's uh, uh, won an Oscar with uh, In a Better World that I wrote the score for. She's yeah. a great, great uh, director. And her first film, she was looking for a composer in 91. And uh, by weird coincidences i got the gig you know because i wrote music to a theater which you know the producer and you know it's always it's always like that you have to be in the right place and you have to know i mean when you got the chance you have to be on the right level to be able to cope with the um things that you're supposed to do uh, so that was a really good start um it got all the prices in sweden and denmark and and then yeah. from there on uh, it's kind of just you know uh, it's just been going on yeah uh and I, I did want to make sure to ask you about "Let the Right One In," the the, the vampire film, because uh, that I mean that film really like anytime I, I'm discussing vampire films or or I see lists of best vampire films, that one is always on there. It's always brought up. You know, it's such a special one for I think for so many people, and that must have been a a great project to work on. It, I mean, I mean the, the the story itself is fascinating and the way that it's done. Yeah, it's 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 a bit weird with films because you work on I work on a lot of films and and you never know you know which one will sit uh, well or anything. You're just in a process all the time. You're in constantly in different processes. And this uh, process with uh, Thomas Alfeson was great. He's a great, great, great director, and he was really kind of um, he wasn't pushing. He was more like um, showing really cool. Like instead of showing music that he wanted, he started showing me music from Jill Evans, you know, the big band mm -hmm. guy from the 50s. He said that the, the film shouldn't sound like this, but this is real. This is, you know, and he started going other directions instead of saying this should sound like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we want to tempt it with this. He went much more in an artistic way, kind trying to convey the emotion of where he wanted to go. Uh, and that was a really uh, wonderful process, actually. And and also the filming has some. I felt uh, a lot for that film because, uh, I mean, he's very, he's a bit alone, and it's in the seventies in Sweden with a lot of snow. And I mean, at the kind of the same time when uh, Oscar, the main character in the film, is alone in this little suburb, my parents got divorced. So I felt very. Oh, I felt I could really feel his kind of pain and his. Uh, that he was so lonely and, you know, he's out in this cold winter and I didn't have a vampire friend though, but, but it was the same kind of this, uh, he really captured uh, the feeling of the seventies in Sweden. Uh, yeah. So, and then it's really hard to know if you nail it or not. You, you can only know that basically after, I mean, you have to do it <laughs> before you, uh, yeah. you can know it. And, and I think he, the, one of the thing that makes it so, so special and so successful is that he really wanted to, he didn't want to be safe uh, at any time. He wanted to go his way all the time. So he wanted to be on this thin 
line of emotion and horror. He wanted to keep this, you know, and that was a really interesting um, balance because it's a pretty romantic uh, story, but it's kind of horrific in a way also. I think that's the thing that people uh, like with it. It's not only horror or it's not only blood, but it has these warm emotions and, you know, yeah, and a special, actually a special uh, uh, timbre, a special uh, taste. Uh, it's a bit uh, light blue, uh, hazy in a way. Mm. It has this kind of, and it's great, great uh, photography too. Yeah. So, yes, I, I, I also like it a lot, actually. Yeah. And, and with that film, although there are, you know, moments of horror and real high intensity, there is a lot of quiet, like space in that movie. Was that was that a challenge to not, I guess, overtake what you're seeing on screen or, or did it kind of flow kind of naturally? I think it's, I think it's a, a temp, uh, what do you call it? Um, when you have, um, uh, uh, it's different cultures. So if I would score a, a film in Scandinavia, you, you've seen Bergman, Bergman probably. It's like no music for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> We're from a different culture, basically. You, you, we're not uh, wall-to-wall m- music culture. So I would say that this is a pretty high scored. You know, it's, it's a lot mm-hmm. of big moments in this film. But once I get to the States, they're like, oh, it's so nice, but there's no music in it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, so it's different. <laughs> you kind of look at it from different perspectives. Right. Uh, so when they had in Sweden or in Scandinavia, they had really good reviews, but they said it's a bit too emotional. And when you go over the sea to the States, it's like, oh, it's a great film, but it's a bit underscored and, you know, it's a bit uh, timid. So I think it's different uh, preferences. Um, I would say that it's in some way a a pretty perfect match. You know, it's kind of, it is silence, but it's not only silence and it is emotion, but not only emotion. So it is kind of, I think uh, he or we nailed that uh, thing in that film yeah um, too also uh, another film that i i really enjoy is contiki the yeah. uh the the sea adventure film that it's it's such like and again similar to to let the right one in that's always one that i see brought up by people and um i i feel like that that kind of film would be so i mean i i love films that take place on the sea that deal deal with water um how did you get involved with that one um, I came in pretty late in that process, or not really late, but I came in a, a bit late in that process. But I think we found, we had an idea to try to find um, kind of a, um, instead of going only adventure, to try f- to find the kind of musical world uh, for that film. And the same goes, I mean, on, in every interview I would do about Let Write One In, I would talk about the water phone, the bass water phone that I recorded. I always try to find instruments or uh, timbres or, or um, sounds that are very specific to the world, world uh, that you're describing. And in the, um, in Contiki, we found a really beautiful um, seashell that is played by a really good Swedish. Uh, weirdly enough, I, w- I was looking around the net, you know, for France and for uh, Polynesia, but he was in Stockholm, a guy who played beautifully on the uh, conch horn, you know, a seashell. Uh, and that's kind of, it's not much in the film. It's not, and the same goes for Letter Right One In. The, the specific horror sounds that I really got triggered by, triggered by, it's not like thousands of minutes. It's just in a couple of places, but it, it defines the musical world. And the same goes for the conch horn, the seashell. It's just in some, like, I don't know, four or five, six places where you really hear it. You hear it in the start. You hear it when they go up to the sun. You know, the camera goes up mm. to the universe. So at some defined moments, you get this kind of, I don't know, some 
voice, a voice, the voice of the film. And for me, that matters most. I don't know if it, you can tell me. I don't know if it really matters for a, for a guy who, a girl who looks, but for me, it's, it's everything to get the kind of uh, identity. Yeah. Uh, and out of that, you kind of write the music then uh, around that. Yeah. Um, and as you said, it was a challenge to write the things. We always thought that the, the, the passages on, 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 uh, on the ocean should be, would be really problematic and everything else would be not problematic. But in the end, it's the opposite. The really interesting part is on the sea. Because it's you know the dynamic between the actors and the and the waste sea and you know it's, it's that's the film basically I would say yeah once you get out that's when it happens <laughs> yeah 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 um, and w- with you know both video games and TV and uh, other mediums is it always pretty essential for you to have a good working relationship with the director or game designer or and does that really help you get the the work out the process started. Yeah, I think it's uh, absolutely vital uh, because I think I'm a, and most composer, I, I believe, I think I'm very process orientated. I want to be, you know, part of a team. And uh, I hate it when they kind of do, you know, when you're in this. I, I haven't been like that for like 20 years or so. It was, it was more before uh, when I started, you know, this thing with sound and music that you should take one up and one down. And, you know, it's because when you see a film or uh, you play a game, you don't think about sound and music in that way. You, you hear a soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And I mean, uh, I, I personally work a lot with the sounds that uh, are not typical music and not typical sound, but the thing that glue the things together. I call them ambiences. So I have a lot of things that are not really music, but weird things that kind of go in the kind of it, it glues it together. So yeah. we had a, we had a big uh, Q and A for Contiki uh, at at some point, and, they, and a reporter said that, "Oh, I love the music in this scene," and the sound designer said that, and I said, "No, that's not that's not music. That's sound design." And he said, "Okay, but I love the sound design in this scene," and I said, "No." And the sound designer said, no, it's not sound design, it's music. So it's kind of this, when you can make the lines blurry, I think you're uh, on a really good uh, track. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that, yeah, yeah. I, and that's one thing I've noticed going through all, all, all your, your different music is there is that great, it has like, there are the orchestral sounds, but then there's that stuff that you can't necessarily put your finger on, you know, but in a, in a, in a good way. Um, I think that's really important to create a, a, a kind of not uh, necessarily a, like a musical depth, but but a sound depth, depth, depth you know, like mm-hmm. a, to make it more not not so uh, flat. You know, yeah. you have you have a melody, you have an orchestra, but then you have this kind of gritty sounds going on, you know, far back in the right speaker. You know, these things that makes it alive. And I'm I'm really I, I don't know I can't write in another way. We always use we always sample. A lot of stuff. We do our own instruments like every week, you know, doing all this weird stuff, uh, whatever it is. You know, it could be you could bang on a, you know, this one is, I think this one is important. Oh, yeah. The, it's like you can do bang on a lamp, you know, whatever. It just, in a right context, you would get a really cool sound. And if you put it in, uh, so we do uh, a lot of, um, act- actually, a lot of ethnical instruments also. Uh, that uh, that gives this kind of um, earthy quality, uh, and of course the libraries and stuff that uh, that you would have in the box and things that are sample, but it doesn't get as um, warm and real if you don't have your sounds surrounding it in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 
Uh, that uh, goes for Battlefield too. We used. Yeah. I, I think we recorded like I don't know two hundred gigs or something of our own, our own songs, but we really worked hard to wow. get our own uh, um, like universe. And you don't hear that because you basically hear the themes and the orchestra and the road and you know that. But for me, it's it's like uh, at least half of my experience is that it's it's kind of uh, embedded in this musical world. So when you go out to the um, Turkish map or something, you would be in that kind of um, landscape in a way. Yeah. It's not only sound design, but it's also musical sound design in a way. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I did want to touch, uh, touch on Battlefield because I mean those games are so huge. I I, I love playing them and and the the music. I mean, the music is really great and um, oh, yeah. And, and it should be said that it's written with my friend Patrick Andrian. Yeah. So we did as a co thing. He's been working for me and now with me. Yeah. Uh, so we have a very common musical understanding and language. Yeah. Uh, well, what was it like getting on for, for Battlefield 1? What was it like getting started? I mean, I feel like that could be a fairly daunting thought because there, there's... It's, it was, it's really good because I don't... I never... This is a bit fun because my mid, middle son, my middle kid, he's, he's been playing games uh, all his life. So I kind of seen games in the home, but I never understood them, you know? Right. <laughs> so, so when I got this, I, I was like, okay, whatever, it's a game. Let's write it. And then... I mean, then I obviously understood more and more. But w- once it came out and you had it's like hun- literally 100,000 comments on YouTube. Wow. Uh, I mean, it's, it's crazy many people who, who write about the music and about, you know, it was like, oops. <laughs> but I didn't, know that. I didn't know that before. So it was like, let's write a really cool thing that has this world. You know, let's build this first uh, uh, World War I world that has a lot of empathy and warmth and horror and you know all these things that is needed but also warmth and empathy and uh, that you take it that you're not playing a football game but these are actually real people that was a really important thing for me when we had meetings you know like i see and i i think i see it reflected in the start you know when you see when they Mm -hmm. die and i think that's part of that bigger discussion that we had that it has to be a bit for real because otherwise it's so crazy i mean it's real people uh, basically Mm-hmm. And then I understand that it should be fun and it should be, you know, a football game and you're, you're doing it for fun. But I think we, I think it was pretty good in, in kind of combining this, uh, that it's both real and unreal. I mean, you have to kind of, mm-hmm. you can't just laugh at it because it's the, it's like the worst, uh, all wars are, are worst, but, it, but this is a really horrendous war. You know, yeah. it's, it's really awful. So I think it was kind of nice. And we had to take some battles. You know, there's a there's a thing with a pigeon flies uh, through. And it's been like a hit, I think, in the battlefield world. And it was, you know, in the first, in the start, maybe you, maybe somebody couldn't see really that that would work. And then when it, we did it, it really worked because it kind of makes it... Uh, you have um, the, you know, you both have the energetic uh, gameplay, but then suddenly you go out and you kind of see it from another perspective. Mm-hmm. So it, this thing that music can move the perspective a bit, I think we work with that. You don't always have to be in fighting mode, but you can also be in like reflecting mode and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, that's a good point because I, I think what took me by surprise in playing that with what you're saying is, you know, 
like the there will be names that will pop up on the screen and so uh, obviously again it is a video game but it does kind of give you that snapback of like oh yeah this was was a real real thing and you know really horrific thing and um what what is interesting about that the campaign part of the game is that it does put you into these different storylines as opposed to it being just a singular uh story like a lot of games do and it, it is so varied there's so you know so many different locations so many different types of people and people within the war was that a, an interesting process to create all those varieties of sounds yeah i can because i'm a sound uh, nerd i loved it uh, and i loved it also in battlefield 5 when we can go to norway and you know have this uh, the willow flutes and you know I, I i this is my thing i love going to different things and use different ethnic instruments and uh, we recorded many ethnic musicians and uh, choirs, you know, in the Russian campaign in Battlefield One, we recorded a choir in Prague with a sang in Russian, and you know, all these things are super fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I think it's it, it also kind of built our dream of having a very wide both world for the game, but also musical world. So when you went with, uh, I mean, I always felt Battlefield One and Battlefield Five as one long big story because mm-hmm. when you stop Battlefield One. Uh, it's a choir piece uh, that's kind of beautiful. And when you start Battlefield Five, it's the same chords, exactly the same chords coming in. And then you start, because they, they did the, the peace treaty in Versailles, and it basically uh, made World War II. I mean, it, you know, it was so shitty things for the Germans, so they wanted revenge, and you know all this. Yeah. Uh, so, so it kind of connects. It's the same. It, it was, in a way, in, in, what do you say, in, inevitable uh, that it would ha- happen some things. So I really like this connection between the end of Battlefield 1 and the start of Battlefield um, 5. Yeah. That it's the same world, same music, but different. So you build a big, you know, you go to Japan, you go to Russia, you go to, you know, I would love to have gone to other places too, you know, like, um, uh, and, and I also think that um, um, when you see on the songs that have really um, stuck with the audience, it's, it's not only the hard, uh, you know, campaign songs where it's a lot of energy, but it's also the beautiful songs, you know, more filmatic songs. So another thing we wanted to do was to be much more filmatic. Uh, even when it's gameplay, we wanted to be filmatic, you know, that it felt like you're, you know, uh, not just putting on a loop or something that you play to, but it, everything is varied all the time. So you would uh, have, I think we had like four or five versions of everything. So every time you get killed or whatever, you step back, you would never hear the same thing. That was a super important thing for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's five times more music that you have to write, but it's really good for the, exp- I hope, I don't play, but I hope it's really good for the experience because you never hear the same things. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and, and that that's a good point because I, you know, listening to the the albums, the it does get to these really like epic, you know, inspiring, heroic songs. But a- as you just said, there are really like, contemplative moments that you would think would be in in you know that you would think oh no this is a film that i am listening to or something but it's no it's like this this very beautiful moment in a in a video game that someone has made so i think i think the good thing i mean this this was partly a, i don't know not an experiment but a but a thought that we hoped would uh, land in a, in a good place but the the good thing with this project we did it for five years uh, and the good thing is that i think uh, if you if you read on internet, uh, uh, it, because I don't uh, play, 
games. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. I've been looking at games forever, you know, in the mixing situations and so, but I don't play myself. Uh, so I always go to YouTube and see what players think, you know, read mm-hmm. all the comments. And it really felt that people liked to be kind of, uh, to, ha- to get all these emotions. They, everybody was really positive to that. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and that was a good thing for me. And also this, uh, I mean, the best thing was when they said that uh, my grandfather fought in World War II, it feels so, it feels like, uh, you know, it feels so good to hear this because it really uh, honors his memory or whatever, you know, this mm-hmm. thing where you combine history with what has happened. So it's kind of the young generation get a, like a bridge back to what actually happened. Yeah, uh, yeah. That was my, my personally a dream for me, uh, that the young generation would take it uh, not seriously, but kind of reflect, reflect on what it is, you know, and you can still have fun and you can still play the game, of course, but you can still reflect, you know, that this, this was uh, really important. This happened and, you know, and also not trying to put out bad or good guys, you know, in the music. Uh, so if you're in whatever map, you don't want to make them bad and they're good, but more like, you know, um, two sides yeah. uh, of a story. Yeah. Uh, and I think with uh, talking about how it could impact someone, I mean, like when I was growing up, uh, you know, the the Battlefield games, Call of Duty games, those were some of the ones that sparked my interest in history. And so, you know, I, I'm sure that could have the exact same impact as I'm sure as I'm sure it has. So and, and now with games like this, where there is so much action and we've talked about having more contemplative moments. Is it difficult writing for something where there is a lot of action where what you're seeing on screen is, you know, such a, I guess, drawing your attention. Is is it difficult writing something so intense? I think it was, a, it was, it was kind of a, you wrote it in a split way. So the campaigns, the ones where you go with a single player, they're more written like films, of course, because they're a bit more linear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we kind of wrote a layer for the whole world. So when you open the menu, I think it's like two hours of music. That was another idea that we really wanted to try, to have this kind of massive music uh, world or library. That's, so if you would, you know, if you put on the game and you start uh, doing your studies or whatever, you can listen to the music and you can be in the world. But it doesn't necessarily have to be you know, from a specific scene. It could just be, a, you know, like this is music that reflects the world. Because when you open, let's say, Battlefield 1, you see a big map and, uh, you know, the world. So it's it could be, that was one thing. The second thing was to write to the campaigns where you had this more um, line, uh, linear um, telling of the stories. It's not linear because everything can happen anyhow. But then in a multiplayer, it gets crazy because it's like a thousand people choose all the time. Uh, I think they've managed that in a great way. The guys at DICE, Benz, our music supervisor and sound uh, supervisor, he's super, he's really, really good. He wins uh, all the prizes all the time for, uh, you know, for what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was other guys that helped us. Uh, and they're very smart in, you know, in working with the music in a game context. Uh, so it's um, it's it's a t- uh, team effort. The only thing we could do was to make it as varied as possible. So right. if you're in a certain situation and you have like a loop, uh, as soon as it starts sounding like a loop, you're uh, it's it's bad. So you have to do it like in many many inclinations, and you have to do it inclinations, and you have to do it 
maybe in five layers or something like that. You have to do it so, so the I, AI kind of does things so it always sounds like it's fresh and it's yeah. doing the right things. And that was tricky, uh, I mean, both for them and for us. But still, that's a really interesting um, thing to make it feel like it's never the same. It's, it's an interesting thing. It's like I get, uh, I get energy from that. Uh, we're doing a new game now with another uh, Swedish company, uh, a new one called Embark. And it's a really cool game. It will come out in a while. Uh, and it's, yeah, I think games are very different from film for me. It's like uh, it's, it, it, films are linear, so you can like, kind of um, plan things. Right. <laughs> you know that in this scene, she will cry. So in this scene... 20 minutes before I will plan something that will eventually you, you can have the control over the linear time mm-hmm. in game. Everything is crazy. So you don't know anything <laughs> you can, you can kind of build a very solid musical world um, with a lot of music. So you can always kind of vary to make it uh, feel right. Yeah. Uh, and, and now this is kind of a, a broader question, but are there any tracks from, from either of those games that come to mind as being ones that either were, very challenging or that were ones that you were the most proud of or, or, or something that where the process was very interesting or unique? Were there any that, that stand out to you when you look back at it? I think it's, I think it's uh, different in a way. It, it depends on what you're after. I mean, uh, one thing, it was a really, it was a treat to go to Abbey Road with a huge orchestra and do these two big recordings and uh, not always, I can't do that always with, you know, Scandinavian or, or uh, not super big European films. Uh, so it's, it was really cool to do this kind of uh, full thing where you really, you know, could have the best players and for a longer and not, not a huge amount of time, but still you can do good takes and, you know, you can do it. That was really uh, nice. Uh, but then I, I remember one thing that was really that we both me and Patrick liked a lot, and was when we did the Russian soundtrack. We kind of liked that. Uh, we both liked the the maps, and we liked the kind of the I don't know what you call it, campaign or whatever you call it. Um, right. We liked that. Uh, we, th- we think it's a cool world, and I think we uh, we had a lot of identity in that part of the game. Uh, mm-hmm. And it actually started off by me. We we were in my studio here back here, and I I by chance I just hit. Uh, uh, old instrument that I bought like 20 years ago in a po- uh, like a shop antique shop in in Holland, and I never played it. I just had it. It was a cool instrument, and I started. I I kind of hit it, and it sounded super cool. And then we started to record that, and that's the start of the Russian campaign. So we, it came from nothing, and then we added choirs and you know all this uh, stuff. Uh, so I think that's a fun thing. And then I I'm a bit proud that we could um, fit in the. The beauty into the track some you know like the this one i don't know the actually the name is dawn of a new time it's like a singer from some midi mid-eastern like singing with strings you know yeah. i think it's cool that these songs has um and also the songs from um, start of battlefield 5 and you know uh, that they've um, that people like not only the energetic music but the more beautiful music yeah. Other than that, it's like a, it's like five years. It's so many things, you know, yeah, sure. all the sounding and all the <laughs> writing, and it's and also we kind of made thousand different variations on the theme, the battle theme. Yeah. You know, we take it from every different note, and I, you know, back and you know, reverse. We we have done everything you can do with that thing. It feels <laughs> like 
course it's not uh, true, but we it feels like we kind of turned it inside out. Yeah. Even Japanese version now in the end, you know, like so it's. <laughs> yeah. But uh, other than that, I think it's uh, more on a on a broader. Um, broader scale, I think for me it was re- really interesting and inspiring to do a game because I've never done that before. So it was, uh, it's more freedom than in a, a film or a TV series. Yeah. So you have, it's more like you can dream more. And I, so that was really, really fun for me. Yeah. And also a different audience, I would say. Mm-hmm. You kind of go down in age. And that was also really inspiring. Uh, so uh, I think we didn't do that, but we, we, there were discuss, discussions of doing a concert tour. I think that it, it's really cool that uh, video music actually pulls young people to the concert halls. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's the way they would see like a harp or a trombone or whatever, because they want to hear the music from Call of Duty or Battlefield or whatever. Yeah. So I think that's a really cool thing too. No, no, I, I agree. I think it's over the years, this, as it's evolved, it's, you know, there are these huge concerts for these yeah. these and it's you know the devotion of of people is incredible you know so and it's, it's usually very good music that's the that's the mm-hmm. fun thing that they will actually hear really good orchestral music and uh, and it's really it's a cool way of kind of showing people you know another part of music or whatever you know they yeah. maybe they never saw a heart before uh a bow or whatever it's like oh that instrument i love this place in the game you know so it's, I, I think that's really cool. Um, but mostly it's the freedom of kind of, because they solve things as you go. So it's like, uh, uh, what do we do here? We have this cool thing. How do we implement it? Let's program the computer to do this. And then they kind of do something and you can suddenly, you can do the three loops together. And it's really cool that it's kind of an inventive um, environment in a way. They, they do stuff uh, as, as, you, as we work. Uh, whereas in yeah. film, it's been for you know, it's it's more set. You know, you re- you film, you cut, you edit, you make the music, you record, and that's also really fun. But it's a different process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, on that, I, I did want to ask you about uh, a film, a fairly recent film called uh, Amundsen, the yeah. uh, the about this Norwegian explorer uh, and the South Pole. I, like, I mean, that's a, a film that. Again, it's a, a true story and it has, you know, a lot of weight to it, but it's also, it, it, I mean, it just seems like you, you oftentimes pick really worthwhile projects, meaningful projects, you know, that really have, have a weight to them. How, how did that project come about for you? Um, it's, uh, it's done with one of the directors from Kontiki, Espen. Hmm. And, and it's, uh, and they made films in the States. The, the two directors of Contiki made like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and right. Marco Polo. So they had a, they have a career in Hollywood. And then he went back and he, um, uh, he, he, he did this Amazon movie and he's a wonderful director too. I've been lucky with the directors. He's really nice. <laughs> uh, he's a really good director and really fun to work with uh, a lot of you know integrity with what he's doing and and also like um, gives you space to think uh, one of his uh, things that he said was that uh, when they went to the north south pole in what was it 1900 or something 1910 or yeah. something um i'm sorry i don't know the exact state <laughs> I should, but it's in the beginning of the uh, 20th century is that right yeah yep so they were 
um, he said that when they came there, it was like if we would go to Mars. Uh, it's the same. Nobody had been there. Uh, us, maybe some people have been there, but but they didn't know anything. They didn't know, you know, how big it was. They didn't know how it looked. They didn't know if there were wild animals. They didn't know anything, basically. So there were two uh, two guys who were kind of chasing to get to the South Pole. Um, and he wanted the music to reflect that kind of outer space quality that you're going to something that you don't know nothing about it's like it's a it's a very brave act you know they they it was like going they could they could have come to a place with dragons you know they didn't know anything there's yeah. not like you know, when you see all this google earth uh, footage or stuff um so he wanted it to have a quality of uh, surreal and outer space and and not known territory um, and I, I think we found some cool stuff there. We, we did a lot of stuff where we kind of squashed the orchestra in distortion and we did, you know, and we pushed the ethnic flute through this, through this weird pipe here. I know oh, I, yeah. you can see, you can see it in the radio, but it's a weird <laughs> thing. You would Russian synth thing where you blow. And then I had an ethnic pipe where I would do things. And when you take it through this, um, thing it kind of gets like surreal screams or whatever and we kind of mashed that with uh, um, this I've been working a lot with uh, the sound designer it's the same as on Kotiki Tormod Ringnas and he also made a lot of really cool sounds with the ice breaking and you know it's this <laughs> it was really fun to do uh, to try to create a sound world and once again it's not I don't think you've seen the film so you know Yes, uh, it's. Not, I don't think that's what you're thinking about, but that's important for me to kind of create this uh, this weirdness. Uh, then, when you see the film, it's more probably epic and you know whatever beautiful and uh, energetic. So it's not. It's not. It's not only that, but it has this element of uh, unknown and unknown sounds, unknown music, unknown maps, and and it's mostly when they go. Uh, on the race to South Pole. It's mainly there. Um, yeah. It was really fun. I, all these challenges when you try to come up with something new is really fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you ha also have to, to aim wide. You have to, you know, when I show him stuff, I show him like 100 things. And he's like, I don't like that. I don't like that. I love that. So you have to kind of try to pinpoint, uh, you know, what's right. You can't, it's really hard to, to get it right. Uh, Directly, it's better to do like hundred sketches and see what happens. Right. Um, well, I mean, that seems like a, a really f fulfilling kind of um, relationship. That uh, yeah. you know, that you know, that something where you can you can make something and, and have that partner there to uh, you, you know pick things out, but not have it be in a in a harsh way or or you know real critical way. It's just. I think that's the most fun projects, and this is, it goes for the games, and it goes for the TV series, and it goes for the uh, films. When you when you're basically in the process with the director, with the sound designer, and hopefully with the editors, you know, when you when you're in the process and they're like, "Oh, we love this track. What if?" And then I say, "Yeah, that's great, but what if?" And then they say, "Oh, that's really good idea, but let's try that." And then they try it, and they say, "I know it sucked. Let's go this way." And then you know, you you're constantly searching for angles and roads and it's that's the fun part uh the the boring part is when it gets a bit dictated you know like uh, this is great we have this song from that film there and this song from that film there and that song from that film there and do the same 
that's kind of the boring part because it gets uh, it, it it doesn't have this what if this kind of dreamy uh, layer and all and, and it's, it's really interesting because once you have directors that have have this courage it's often their films that people with temp will uh, they will kind of use their films to say that we want to sound like let's write one in or you know something mm-hmm. like that so it's really smart to be uh, brave because yeah. every, everybody wants to look at these films. You know, once you, sometimes you don't succeed, sometimes it gets bad, you never know. But often it's really good to have the courage because then, then they will be the, f- these films will be the films that people talk about. Exactly. You know, whatever it is, you know, there will be blood, uh, light revenue, you know, different films that people will look at and say that, that is so cool because they tried blah, blah, blah. They try to do this and, and, uh, it's it's a bit weird, but we love it. You know? <laughs> no, no, I, I I agree. That's yeah. I mean, I mean, you, you never know until you try. You know, you won't you won't know what you what you're gonna get. No, and it's also it's it's about uh, this. It's also producers, of course, the strong directors, producers that have this vision. You know, like uh, let's do this, and it's a bit it's a bit scary, but let's try it. You know. And then obviously, when you go that path, you will do a lot of corrections and change, and of course, but it's just a lot of energy in trying things and 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 having the courage to try to do something different, you know, mm-hmm. uh, at some point. Yeah. Um, so I would say that's a very, or I I don't know if it is the, the industry, but I'm very I, I like to be in like in in a team situation. Where I can show it for the sound designer, like tour mod on Amundsen and Kontiki, and he would say like, oh, "This is great, but what if you do this?" And I would say, "Oh, that's a good idea." And then as you try, and then it's like because you learn things about yourself instead of going to the same path. You know, you're instead of doing what you kind of have uh, instinctively, you would get like inputs uh, to to think a bit different at different times. Yeah, but like you said, in a respectful way, of course. I mean, like in a in a cool way where you. Uh, where you always put the project in front uh, of yourself or, in, or uh, of, of your, you try to get the project together as good as possible, whatever yeah. it is. Well, Johanna, it's so nice uh, chatting with you. Uh, is there anything else in particular uh, that I haven't brought up? Perhaps anything recent that you'd like to have known? Um, I, I just don't want to leave something unsaid, but. <laughs> um, um... No, yeah. it's hard. It's, it's a lot of projects coming up, but it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, what happened now with the Corona is that everything has been moved, like, mm-hmm. uh, because it was so crazy during the spring last year. Mm-hmm. So everything, it's, everything has happened at the same time. Um, but it's a lot of cool TV series and, and films coming up. And, um, I'm really looking forward to score, um, it's a, it's a huge Swedish book called The Emigrants about the Swedes that emigrated to the States. Uh, oh, cool. You know, we lost half our population to America in the 1860s. So it was like 2 million people in Sweden, 1 million went to the States. Wow. Uh, so it was like, uh, you can imagine if a country, <laughs> half of the population goes away because it was starvation and it was uh, poverty and, you know, poverty. Um, and this is a really good book. Um, it's been filmed once before and it was Oscar nominated twice. It was two films. It was Oscar nominated twice uh, when it was filmed in the 70s. Uh, so it's a bit scary because it was such a good film in the 70s. Uh, and now Eric Poppe, who did The King's Snow, it's also a good film that I did a couple of years ago. 
uh, he's doing it. And I really look forward to see what we can do with that. It's like an um, epic film. Um, but if I know him right, he will go very close to the actors and to the motion. He won't go epic in that way. He will go, probably be super close to the actors. And you know, So I, I look forward to that. And then we're yeah. doing this game that I told you about. It'd be fun. Uh, and then a couple of TV series um, that I'm doing. Uh, cool. Other than that, it's, um, it's more if you have any more uh, uh, question about <laughs> process and stuff. Yeah. That's what I want to talk about. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's... I, I'm sure we could talk for, for hours about it. Um, <laughs> trying to think if there's... Any, I mean, there's... Let's see if there's anything on my my list here. Um, oh, well, there was... A, the an, another recent film the last vermeer yeah which is a, a again it's another true story um yeah. and yeah you know w- world war ii history is something I, I i always have a a passion for and so i always love when these films come out um is the the historical context always something that draws you in for something like this or is it often or is it oftentimes uh you know director you know uh, whatever it may be. I think it's, uh, to be honest, I think it's mostly driven by the, you know, you feel that you can do something good with some person. You feel the chemistry, like that it works, that you have, like, he says that, oh, it would be so great to do this because we can do this. And you feel like, oh, that's, that's fun, you know? So, and then once you're in it, uh, then the story matters a lot. But it's, I think the first thing is to get the right, uh, connection to the ones you're working with that you yeah, feel that yeah. they, they have chosen me because they want something that you know not because they want it to sound just like something else or you know they have the right reason to ask um they want something that sounds like me in a you know in quotation marks uh and they want to to um but I like the story. The story is really, you should tell the story to the listeners. It's a really cool story. Did you see the film? Yeah, I, I did. Yeah, it's this, this art, uh, art forger yeah, who, who swindled these millions of dollars from the Nazis. And, from Goebbels. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's such a, I mean, it's just the kind of person you, you look up to with that, that kind of um, person going, going against the Nazis. And it's, it's really, it's one that I had not heard about. Uh, until I actually I came across uh, your your music on on Spotify, and I was like, oh great, it's exactly what I was looking for. So <laughs> yeah, that was a fun, uh, also fun uh, movie to to uh, to write because it was uh, yes, like you said, it's a kind of amazing story uh, mm-hmm. where he forges the famous artist Vermeer from Holland, uh, and it's just a you don't believe the story. I think when the forger, when he was at his height, he owned like, I don't know, 450 properties or something in Holland. He was so rich. Wow. Uh, and then uh, eventually he, was com- he wasn't convicted. They thought he was a traitor, but he wasn't because he actually fooled the Nazis. So he was a national hero in that. Uh, but it was fun to also to, um, to write and record in Abbey Road and, you know, do, do this full uh, thing. Uh, yeah. It came out at a bit, uh, all the films I've done now that have come out during the corona, it's a bit problematic because they have to go directly to, you know, streaming. And so it's, but that's also a small problem in the corona. I mean, of course, but but it's been, it's hard to get really good um, um, viewings. You have to go out on some kind of Netflix or something to to get people now. Yeah. I'm glad you heard, you look at that one. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, like uh, with World War II history, it's I feel like it's an uh, t- uh, an era that like every day there's new wild stories like that that come out, and that's one of the one of the reasons why I love learning about it is because there are just these such unique, crazy stories that you would never believe could have actually happened, but they did. Yeah. I think you should maybe look at the King's Snow then, a King's Choice, maybe it is in English. The one I said, told you about, it's about the king that Eric Poppe did that I scored four years ago. It's about the king gets an ultimatum from Hitler to surrender in Norway, and the king says no. So he goes, he flees from the Nazis. If this is real. Yeah, and yeah. then the Nazis go into Norway and they have this kind of um, light regime, whatever. They say that we, we're helping you against the English, you know. Um, but it's it's a good film about the king who's fleeing from uh, Hitler and going to England and has this resistance uh, going uh, from there. Yeah, yeah, I'll check it out for sure. Well, yeah, uh, Johan, I mean, it's it's really been nice chatting with you. I, I would love to get you back on sometime uh, again, you know, when some of these other uh, projects come out. Uh, and yeah, I've I've, as I've said, I've really, I've enjoy your music very frequently. And, um, you know, a lot of these projects have really had an, an impact on me. So I just, I wanted to let you know, I really appreciate them. That's so <laughs> nice of you to say. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. All right, everyone. I think that is about it for the show this week. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on your way out. Thank you so much. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Music Buds. Check out themusicbuds.com. And yeah, we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And we'll see you next time.